Good evening, time being seven o'clock. I call the April 13th, 2022 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <laughs> Announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or you may click the Zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website. The phone number is 929-205-6099. And the Zoom ID is 859-504-4004. Once again, the meeting ID is 859-5040-4004. If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. Uh, tonight, Councillor Frangillo will be uh, participating remotely I think that's all I have for uh, comments from the chair. Citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in the council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Okay, seeing nobody in council chambers, I will look to uh, Zoom, and I know, I think I see at least one hand up, David. Uh, if you just unmute yourself and name and address, please. Good evening. Uh, David Rittenhouse, 2400 Run. Thank you for the opportunity to make a citizen's comment. I'm a climate activist and member of what we call 350 Mass. Our meetings are open to the public and are announced via the Franklin Matters newsletter. The climate crisis has become increasingly difficult to ignore in the last few years. Just last week, torrential rains, flash flooded Australia. Uh, I always pay attention to the American Southeast because I have friends and relatives there. And uh, tornadoes are happening there with increasing frequency. 
numbers and severity all over the south. Often the clusters are part of a strong weather front that's passing through. Every time I worry about my friends and family's safety. In July of 2020, there were flash floods that caused significant damage to Norwood Hospital. It used to be it was helpful to know if you needed an umbrella or not, but now with climate change making the weather more severe, it's just not a casual thing anymore. It will only get worse unless we take bold action. Yes, it's been a big problem, and yes, Franklin is only one town, but everyone needs to do their part from individual action to townwide initiatives to coordinating on regional and state levels. Franklin can take bold action. I'm very pleased with the progress Franklin has made with town electric vehicles, LED street lighting, and being a green community. Franklin schools and town buildings get 95% of their electrical power from local solar panels. That's fantastic. Currently, 80% of Massachusetts towns and cities are designated green communities, and I'm glad we're part of that effort. We can do more. I would like to see these additional actions. One, make efforts to move new construction away from oil and gas heat to electric heat pumps. This is part of the initiative to convert a million homes by 2030 for the state legislature. I'd also like to see a change in bylaws for new construction to require 240 volt EV outlets in garages on new construction. Uh, also with new construction, give preference to multi-housing projects that would use a geothermal heating and cooling grid system. This is being done in Framingham. And last item for tonight is join the 17 cities and towns of Mass Energize, a nonprofit building community involvement in climate-friendly individual actions. By joining Mass Energize, we would become part of the 5% of Mass communities committed to doing more and building community involvement. Thank you for hearing my comments, encouraging Franklin to take additional steps in climate action. Please consider joining our next 350 Mass meeting via Zoom April 21st at 7 p.m. Thank you and have a good meeting. Thank you, David. Is there anyone else out in uh, Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? forward uh, we have no minutes this evening uh, next item on the agenda is uh, proclamations and recognitions and we do have one this evening uh, recognition of Roger Magalheat recipient of the Immigrant Learning Center's Barry M. Portnoy Immigrant Entrepreneur Award in Outstanding Business Growth and I will ask Councilor Hamblin, who uh, brought this uh, to us a couple of meetings ago, to read the proclamation. Sure. Okay. Please. Okay, Roger, you have to come over here with me. I don't know okay? what to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
It's okay. These guys are all safe. It's all right. It's all right. First, congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to read this to you. What? This way? Yeah, face that way. Oh, okay. You want to face that way? Okay. You can read it. <laughs> Tom Franklin, proclamation honoring Roger Magales on receiving the Immigrant Learning Center's Barry M. Portnoy Immigrant Entrepreneur Award and Outstanding Business Growth. Whereas Roger Magales originates from Sao Paulo, Brazil, where he studied robotics before moving to the United States in 2000, where in 2006 he started a small home-based window installation business called Shades in Place, Inc. And whereas since relocating the business to Franklin in 2011, Mr. Magales has obtained extensive industry knowledge, including holding cert certifications for several leading product lines, having attended in the Custom Home Furnishing Academy for drapery and soft treatment techniques, and by currently holding the position of Director at Large of the National Board of Directors of the Window Coverings Association of America. And whereas Mr. Magales has also achieved far-reaching recognition on being named one of the seven top window fashion influencers by Window Fashion Vision Magazine in 2020, and by being a regular columnist for the Window Fashion Vision Magazine, a presenter at the International Window Coverings Expo, and the installation instructor for Window Fashion certifi Certified Professional Fast Track Program. And whereas Mr. Magales founded a second company in 2020 called Trading Up Consulting LLC, which offers installation, training, and business coaching to people both established in and new to the window treatment industry. And whereas Roger Magales was awarded the Immigrant Learning Center 2020, 2022 Barry M. Portnoy Immigrant Entrepreneur Award and Outstanding Business Growth on March 8th 2022. Now, therefore, be it known that Roger Magales is hereby commended and recognized by the Town Council of the Town of Franklin for outstanding achievement in business growth and mentorship and outstanding contribution to Franklin's economic well-being. Signed, Thomas Deemers, or Chair of the Franklin Town Council. Thank you so much. I'm from Brazil, and the only thing I want to say, America is a great place. <laughs> Land of opportunities. If you see something, you can get it here. Thank you so much. Chairman, uh, good news is is we don't we don't do these often here uh, at the council level. Really good news. Uh, and just uh, I'm gonna let the chief and uh, Lieutenant Zimmerman go through uh, the report. And I just want to mention for the uh, folks watching at home in the council, uh, I'll review her if there are any questions at the end. Um, there is a bylaw that we have in town on these matters. 
So if folks have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them after the presentation. Yes, Attorney uh, Sorrell. So uh, in my tenure here, this is, I don't believe uh, all, all the uh, violators, alleged violators are present. Uh, in my experience, we've never had a situation previously where they didn't show up for respond to the hearing. Yes. Uh, so uh, I, I would recommend, first of all, if you determine if anybody's here on behalf of any of the three licensees, and then determine how we best proceed. Okay, uh, Councilor Jones had a uh, question. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, for you um, to would you have an would you take an opportunity to explain to the new, to the council as a whole what our responsibilities are in regarding these types of hearings? Only because we have some councilors that right. have never so I had alluded to this during the uh, workshop right after you were sworn in, but you're basically sitting as this is an administrative age, uh, you're performing an administrative function as opposed to usual legislative function. You're actually going to sit as, as hearing uh, officers to determine whether or not there's been a violation of the uh, liquor laws uh, with respect to uh, the various licensees and uh, therefore your role is really passive it's to allow uh, the chief and his uh, associate to present uh, and if there's any counter from the uh, anybody a particular case to allow them to uh, respond but basically other than questions for clarification you, you pretty much should have should be, basically sit there like you were on a jury and just listen and once that's done uh the hearings are closed then we can discuss what the disposition would be if you determine that the violations occurred and again returning to my point i would start by determining if we have any of the licensees or the representatives present Thank you, Attorney Sewell. You all set? Thank you. I know we have at least one here. Uh, I know uh, Jimmy's, Jimmy Davis is, is here. I don't know if there's anyone from TM1 Solutions. Is there anybody in the council chambers or on Zoom from TM1 Solutions? Uh, how about from Dharma Bhakti Corporation doing business as Liquor World? I don't see anybody there. And just confirm. Uh, Jim DeVito, Jimmy Dees. Thank you. Hi. A question before we go through with all of this. I'd just like to know um, were they invited to come tonight or told to come tonight? It was a, uh, Attorney Sorrell, it was a notice of hearing mailed to all three, uh, but it was first class mail, it wasn't return receiving anything like that. Um, so on the other hand, it didn't come back unclaimed or undeliverable either. Uh, so I think you have two options, Mr. Chairman, with a respect. One would be to proceed with this one and then treat the other two the same way in, it, in absentia. Well, know, let the police make their presentation and dispose of it, however you do with this particular licensee, since they're all essentially the same 
are in the same situation. Alternatively would be to uh, continue those two, uh, make sure have service made uh, in hand of the uh, hearing, and then proceed at a separate date. They're frankly not time sensitive. These occurred back in March, I believe, early March. So either option. But I don't think that answered my question. In the letter that they received, the contents, did it say that they were requested to be here tonight? It's a standard letter that yes, that we've and always it did. used. Okay. And I again, as I said, important. I've never had the experience where not yeah. only one doesn't show up, but two don't. Yeah. That was, that's concerning to me. That's important. Uh, Jamie? Thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, to the council. I just, um, to Attorney Sorrell's point, I just want to highlight, I was going to highlight at the end, but I might as well now. The town bylaw has a, a recommended series. If there is a violation, there's a recommendation in the bylaw. But also beneath that, there are aggravating and mitigating factors to the bylaw mm -hmm. based on the presentation at the hearing. And of course, it leaves it wide open to some degree, where not showing up at the hearing or other things could be used by the council as uh, an additional penalty to the factor. So showing up, admitting the violation, uh, treat those as you want to be treated, you know, the golden rules of life are written in the bylaw to 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 help mitigate. And there's factors right here to mm -hmm. aggravate the violation as well. So I just want to point that out. And that is fully within the council's jurisdiction to make those decisions within the framework of the town code. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, Mark, just uh, for a point of clarification, uh, is it one hearing or are they, are they individual hearings? They're individual hearings. Okay. Uh, so since we do have uh, one representative here, uh, I think it's only fair that certainly uh, we start with that one. So Chief, if you'd like to, I declare the hearing for Jimmy D's LLC doing business as Jimmy D's 338 Union Street. Open. Chief. Thank you, Mr. Chan, members of the council. Uh, as all, as some of you may know, I know Council Chandler definitely does, for years I uh, ran the operations as a lieutenant for um, the grants that we got for our compliance check. So I'm passing the baton to Lieutenant Zimmerman. <laughs> um, who ended up putting this all together, running this operation um, at my request. So um, I, I will have him actually, hit, he's going to paraphrase the letter that you all have that he had sent to me pertaining to the incident that occurred, or the operation that occurred on March 2nd, and then you can go into um, specifics with the uh, GBDs. Thank you, Chief. Good evening, Mr. Chairman, Council Members. Uh, I'll just paraphrase, as the Chief said, on Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022, uh, the Community Service Unit, supplemented by the Patrol Division, conducted a compliance check of the liquor establishments licensed in Franklin. Um, of the uh, 33, 33 pre-assigned uh, establishments, they're broken up into three teams. Our teams consisted of two police officers coupled with one underage decoy. Ridge Decoy is 18, 19 years old, a high school student, college student, and they're provided with no ID. We take their ID from them prior to the event, and so they can't go in and provide any ID, false or otherwise, or their actual ID. Uh, we instruct them prior to going into these establishments, they're not in any way to uh, you know, give a false 
date of birth, a false age. They go in and if, if confronted, either present, ask their ID, they either respond that they don't have it or ask for their date of birth or their age to give their actual date of birth or age. So there's no intent to deceive anyone, deceive anyone or trick anyone. So that's made very clear. Um, so that's referred to as the no ID protocol. They don't have any ID with them. So again, broken into three teams, two police officers accompanied with one underage decoy. We visited 33 establishments. Of the 33 establishments at the time, six of them were either closed or not serving alcohol at that time. All right, so 27 remaining. We visited those 27 remaining. 24 passed and either requested ID or their date of birth or asked their age of the decoys, resulting in a passing. Decoy then leaves the establishment. Three failed the compliance check, and the three, as we had, as were already mentioned, were Liquor World, 7-Eleven on Union Street, and Jimmy D's Restaurant. Uh, two were off-premise license holders, uh, Liquor World and 7-Eleven. The underage decoy was able to go in, purchase a six-pack of Bud Light beer, pay for it without being asked about their age, date of birth, or asked for ID, and then exit the store. The police officers were outside waiting for uh, we're, we're on uh, Jimmy D's, so okay. just speak to Jimmy D's sure. for, for this event. Yep, my apologies. That's okay, no problem. So Jimmy D's is on premise. Uh, the uh, decoy was able to enter the establishment, sat at the bar, ordered one bottle of Bud Light. They were not confronted about their age, date of birth, or requested for any form of ID. They were served the bottle of light, bottle of Bud Light. Uh, they were able to have the bartender walked away after serving the bottle of Bud Light to the underage decoy. The underage decoy then leaves money on the bar, exits the bar, and immediately tells the officers outside what occurred. Later on, after we complete all of the visits and all the checks, the officers return to the establishments that failed to identify uh, through the decoy's uh, description who the server was. They go in and identify who the server was, and at that point, put them on notice that they'll be notified by the department and town hall at a later date. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I guess I'm going to Jimmy. Uh, if you'd just like to come up, uh, introduce yourself. And Good evening, everyone. I'm Jim DeVito. I'm the owner of Jimmy D's Bar and Grill, and uh, I'm not going to challenge this uh, citation. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Jamie? Thank you, Mr. Chair. So, um, uh, with that noted, uh, just to point back to the bylaw that is included in the packet, uh, the first offense, second offense, third offense, aggravated immunity factors, jurisdiction. Um, I think in the past, we have done that. Yes, Mr. Chairman. Uh, no, this is this is a first offense. Uh, mm -hmm. We've never had any issues with Jimmy D's alcohol-related ever, including um, past compliance checks where they they pass them uh, with no problem. So this is the first. Okay. So. Uh, so the practice, uh, in, in all due respect, uh, just for clarification purposes, there's two, there's two parts to the bylaw. There's the compliance checks, 
and that's pretty straightforward with the progression. And then there's for actual violations. In other words, the police respond and, and observe a real sale, and, and that's got more flexibility to it. Mm -hmm. So first offenses here have been traditionally uh, two, I mean three days uh, uh, imposed, one served, two held in abeyance for two years. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, also the same day as, again, this is discretionary, discretionary with you, but to be served on the day, uh, the same day of the week as the offense was noted. And the other thing is if, I understand he's admitted to us, so there's not going to be an appeal, but mm -hmm. typically you have, to, if there weren't, if there was any dispute it would be at least five days in the future to give them an opportunity to appeal the ABCC. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Councilman Jones. Um, just as, as part of the proceedings, can we request as part of um, acknowledgement of the violation, any mitigation that the violator may take in order to avoid for future potential violations or mitigations? If he wanted, if he want to, if he wants to address what responses, if any, he's employed in his operations, uh, he's free to do so. Yeah, we're supposed to be listening. Oh no, I understand. So if if Jimmy, if you would like to, please. Hello again. Um, I reviewed the uh, the selling of alcohol protocol. Everyone, uh, you know, the steps that you have to take. Make sure you ID first, even if you're busy. Don't put a bottle down. And everyone is tip certified, re-tip certified. So I just have to stay on. Just got to babysit. I used to put the babysit every night. Totally understand. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Any other questions? Councilor Chandler. Three, Mr. Chairman. I know uh, Mr. DeVito just mentioned that he needs to stay on these people. But I have to say that there was no manager present in that establishment. And we all know that it could be an 18-year-old serving alcohol. So I don't know who was on, who was supposed to be watching the employees, but there was no manager present. Right in the report. Hello. I was the manager that night. I also hired another manager. I forgot to say that. I had a fellow by the name of James Fernandez, and he's doing his uh, uh, the uh, the food service training, so that I can get him right. Serve safe. Serve safe. Yeah, he's doing the serve safe for the uh, uh, allergies, so I can get him right on. And he's he's doing the tips too. But I I was there. I did go out for 20 minutes. I do generally do that. Maybe go for a walk and loosen up a little bit. It's, it's a very unforgiving business. I, I wasn't there. I was back. Just as the detectives left, so. No, I appreciate it. I just wanted to express how important it is to have. It's, I agree. I agree. I'm also the CPR person. I've done that three times now. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Councilor Plager. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. DeVito, is that any? Um, how long did this individual work for you? Hadn't been working for you. I think seven months total. I would have to go back to the actual look to get the exact dates, but it's about seven months, I think. 
right after COVID. What's sad is this person that served a minor could have been doing this prior to that, but that's only a guess. I'm just saying, if you stepped out, it could have happened before. We have to be thankful that there were no accidents and no um, terrible things that happened. Um, I, I really have a problem with this person, you know, not asking for ID and this isn't serving really someone. Contemplating this isn't really uh, those comments really. He can hire whoever he wants oh, as long as they So, uh, just the jury. Attorney Sorrell. For your general knowledge, as I indicated, the bylaw has two separate processes. There's a reason for that because the ABCC requires it. The ABCC takes a very uh, restricted view of, not, of compliance check process as opposed to actual violations. So you're on very, you've got to follow a very strict procedure on the compliance and non-compliances, and that's what we're trying to walk you through right now. But the establishment has to be under strict compliance also to follow the rules and regulations. So that's the right down. Thank you. Councilor Jones. Mr. Chairman, I would like to make a recommendation on part to the violation. Since the licensee has made an acknowledgement of the violation, I think I'd like to follow our normal protocol, which as suggested by the town attorney, was that three days with one day served, two days held in advance for up to two years. Second. There's a motion and a second. Discussion on the motion. Seeing none, it's a roll call vote. I'm sorry, to be served on the day, same day. To be served on the day, same day. It was Wednesday, correct? No, Wednesday. Yes, it was. Yes. Yes. Okay. We can just pick the day so that we'll know. Um, sure. Uh, 20, 20 is fine. Okay. I'd like to get it cleared up very quickly, please. Wednesday. Wednesday the 20th. Yes. Wednesday. Part of the Wednesday. 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 Second. We're still, yeah, we're still, still in discussion. We still ask questions to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can this be directed to the police officers? Through me to the... Through you to the police officers. Is that what's being proposed satisfactory to you, John? Because you're the ones that are out there policing the streets. So I feel like in respect to you, I want to know that this is acceptable. For me, yeah, I'm one of the people that push for the bylaw to be what it is. <laughs> After all the time okay. doing it. Yeah, so no, I, you know, uh, yeah, very satisfied. So that they work different different right. things going on. And that's why we put this bylaw. In respect to them, I want to make sure that, that, that their that's officers fine. would feel like this exercise had some meaning. Totally agree. Thank you. Appreciate it. Council uh, Friendly, through you, a friendly amendment to um, me, Mr. Jones, Council Jones. I would like to ask why you chose the minimum three rather than four or five day suspension. Uh, to explain the motion, ma'am, it really simply has to do with the mitigating factors with the licensee and acknowledge the violation of the with the grant situation. Um, for anyone who's done 
past. And we want to be fair, not only to the current, but the past people who have also had violations. Would um, the maker of the motion be willing to take a, a four-day suspension on that? My motion stands now. And again, this is what the motion that's on the floor is what we have done. I've been here, I've been here for uh, 11 years, and it is the exact same punishments for first-time offenders is what we're proposing, or what the motion that Mr. Jones has made. So is there any further discussion? Uh, uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I, I want to uh, just say the the people that we have given violations to in the past, we have not seen come back. So it seems like it's a good enough punishment. I can't tell whether you Okay, seeing no further discussion, the clerk will call the roll. <clears throat> Cormier Ledger? Yes. Patrick Chair? Yes. Brian Chair? Yes. Colby Fringel? Yes. Yeah. Pelagin? No. Hamlet? Yes. Jones? Yes. Vice Chair? Yes. Chair? Yes. It's eight, and eight yes and one no, sir. Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for appearing. Happy Easter, everybody. Thank you. Okay. Uh, what's the uh, the I'll open up. Open a hearing on PM One Solutions Inc. doing business as Seven Eleven. Declare that uh, hearing open. Thank you very much, Ed. Uh, again, following the same protocol as described earlier, uh, at approximately quarter past six on March 2nd, uh, the underage decoy entered the 7-Eleven on 664 Union Street in Franklin, walked to the refrigerated section of the store, selected a six-pack of Budweiser light cans, approached the checkout desk. The decoy placed the six-pack on the counter, and the mail clerk rang up the sale for $8.90, and the decoy paid and left the store was not asked to produce any identification or challenge on his age. Okay, thank you. And I will once again ask if there is anybody uh, in the council chambers from 7-Eleven uh, or Zoom. on Zoom. I'm not seeing anybody. Uh, Attorney Sorrell. It's, uh, it would be my recommendation on this and the other assuming that nobody's present, that they be continued and that notice be served by the police upon the licensee of the next hearing day. If they still don't attend, then you can take that into account, but uh, I'd be surprised if that's the case. Council Jones. Mr. Chairman, um, motion to continue the hearing. Second. Motion and second to continue the hearing. Discussion to a date and time. Uh, can can we see? Can we see? Uh, 
how can we make the date without getting the word back from the board? It doesn't matter. Okay, so we need to set date. Okay, perfect. So May 4th would be the next date? May 4th would be the next date. So motion to continue to May 4th, uh, 7 o'clock, 2022. Second. Motion in the second. Discussion on the motion? Seeing none, clerk will call the roll. Cormier Ledger. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Angela. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. 9 0. Continue, sir. Motion carries to continue the public hearing. Uh, Next, I would declare the hearing open for Dharma Bhakti Corporation doing business as liquor work. You're up. Again, just put my notes down here. So at approximately 6.46 p.m. On, on March 3rd, 2022, Decoy entered the Liquor World, located at 365 West Central Street. Decoy picked up a six-pack of Bud Light cans out of the refrigerated section and purchased the six-pack at the front counter. Decoy used $7 to purchase the beer, which was provided through the Franklin Police Department. Uh, Decoy exited the store. Decoy was, asked, was not asked to provide an ID, nor was he questioned about his age. Mr. Jones, uh, let me first make sure that there is nobody in the council chambers from Liquor World. And is there anyone out in Zoom land from Liquor World? Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to make a motion to continue the hearing um, until May 4th, 7 o'clock. Second. Motion is second. Discussion on the motion? Seeing none, clerk will call the roll. Matt Charlie. Yes. Cormier Ledger. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Hamlet. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. And yes. Motion carries. Thank you, gentlemen. Sorry. We'll see you on May 4th. Very welcome. Coming yeah. anyway. <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chief. Okay, moving on. Uh, we have no licensed transactions. Next item on the agenda is presentation and discussion. Presentation from the community planning. Uh, DHD multi family housing guidelines for MBTA communities. Brian Cataract, Director of Planning and Community Development. Brian, please. Thank you. Uh, okay, uh, tonight you're going to see a fairly short presentation on uh, its presentation that's required um, of each community that is considered an MBTA community in the state. Um, okay, good. We're up and running here. So uh, there is a there is new uh, requirements for multifamily zoning in NBTA communities, and that's what we're here to talk about. So over the few uh, last few years, the Baker administration and many um, state legislature, others in state legislature and state agencies have worked to address their current housing crisis. 
There have been a variety of programs uh, that have been developed and laws that have been passed. One such law is the reason for the presentation. As part of the economic development bill, in January 2021, the state enacted a new section 3A of Mass General Law, Chapter 40A, which is the Zoning Act, which requires that an MBTA community permit multifamily housing as of right by meeting certain criteria. The MBTA guidelines uh, related to Section 3A are um, that each MBTA community shall have at least one zoning district of reasonable size in which multifamily housing is permitted as of a right and meets other criteria set forth in the statute. Um, these zoning districts, uh, and I say districts because they can be more than one district, it doesn't have to be one zoning district, uh, they have to have a minimum gross density of 15 housing units per acre, not more than a half a mile from a commuter rail station, subway station, or, or other MBTA uh, resource. Uh, no age restrictions on them, so they can't be for senior housing only or things of that nature. And they should be suitable for families with children. Um, more recently, uh, as part, as required by the Section 3i, AIH, Department of Housing and Community Development, uh, drafted implementation guidelines. One requirement of each MBTA community is to, be, is to present the draft guidelines to the Town Council, which is the reason for your presentation. Um, Draft guidelines outline a two-part test to determine a reasonable size zoning district. Uh, minimum land area uh, is one, and that is basically defined as a multifamily district must comprise at least 50 acres of land within a half mile of a transit station. It has to have a minimum gross density of 15 units per acre and that's subject to any further limitations imposed by relevant aspects of the state environmental code. For instance, if there's a 10-acre pond right next to it, you might, you know, the, the area, uh, obviously you're not going to have the units in the pond area or things of that nature or similar issues. Um, needs to be a minimum multifamily unit capacity is the other um, guideline of the two-part test. And multifamily capacity is a number of units based on a percentage of the total housing units within the community. Franklin, as of the 2020 census, had 12,551 housing units. And as a MBTA community with communal rail service, we're required to have a zoning district that would allow at least 15% in density for multifamily housing. So 15% of the 12,000 551 comes out to 1,883 units. Now, that 1,883 units are either uh, existing units or they're uh, they could be or they're future units. But what it is is we're zoning for it. It's not that they will happen or they have happened. It's an area zoning district that, at a minimum, we can attain that many housing units if the whole district were built out with multifamily housing. Um, I just want to make one point before we go further, and that is that we currently have downtown commercial zoning district. 
And that zoning district already has uh, uh, up to uh, 22 housing units per acre by right of multifamily housing. That zone alone can take up almost a third of the 1800 right off the bat. So, and, and I say that because we don't see uh, 600 housing units in, in, that, in that zone. It's not going to automatically happen that hundreds and hundreds of housing units are going to be built in that for that reason. You're, 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 at, you're already doing it in a third of the section, in a third of the uh, zoning that we have to obtain. Okay? Uh, statute provides that a district of reasonable size shall be located not more than a half mile from the real station. The draft guidelines that DHCD came out with actually state that with communities like ours with some land within a half mile of a transit station where we, we, we require at least half of the land of the as of right zoning district be located within that prescribed distance. So only in that half mile radius, only half the 1800 and 80 some odd units have to be within that half mile. The rest can be farther out in other directions. So as a note, several districts can be included in the half mile distance, such as downtown commercial, the C1 district, the general residential five in other districts. So I wanted to, uh, I made this up the other day, I just drew a circle around the train station right in the middle of this, okay? The purple area in the middle is the downtown commercial district, and as I stated, we already have zoning for about a third of the MBTA units, if you want to call it that, in that area. Um, also within the circle is uh, about half of the C1 zoning in the town, the vast majority of the general residential five zoning, and a lot of the a substantial amount of the uh, single-family residential um, four <coughs> zoning districts. Um, so, half and within a half-mile radius, obviously we're talking at least half of the land of the as of right monthly zoning should be located in that zone in that circle right there. So, just to give you a little uh, rundown on the, the draft guidelines and the current requirements. The public process that um, the Department of Housing and Community Development held uh, ended on March 31st. They accepted input on the process, um, on the regulations. Many communities in the state uh, were unhappy for one reason or the other. Most of the ones that had uh, some of the bigger problems with some of the smaller communities that don't, don't actually have train stations or things of that nature. Um, so right now the MBA communities are required to complete an online MBTA community information form by May 20, uh, when, sorry, May 2nd this year. That form is a fairly easy form filled out online and one of the questions is, have you discussed uh, these guidelines with your support of selecting our town council. So that's the reason we're here. We can check that box off um, <laughs> after, after tonight. Um, so to, we, I want to make uh, everybody understand that 
this is interim get com uh, compliance right now by filling out that form. If, if we, we do it, we have this meeting tonight, then we are, we, we are in compliance with the regulations um, and uh, that we can continue to apply for the uh, Mass Works and Housing Choice Community Grants. If we decided not to be in compliance, we'd not be, we'd not be able to apply for those grants. Um, the final guidelines, which I don't know when they'll be out, but I'm assuming it'll be a few months from now by the time they uh, actually, uh, it might be another year, who knows, uh, by the time the state comes up with their final guidelines. Uh, once the guidelines are developed, communities will be expected to take affirmative steps towards the creation of a compliant multi-family district. Um, we don't really know what the multifamily district is going to look like at this point, or even what the guidelines are going to look like because there are draft guidelines right now. So what we just showed you may actually change. But for now, we're supposed to show you this as a, as a you know, the draft guidelines were to show, and uh, we are being compliant, and we'll be able to continue with our, our draft guidelines. Always like being That's right, that's right. Um, yeah, so deadlines, I just want to go, if you can go back one second, I just, it, in the long run, uh, after the uh, guidelines are actually, uh, they become a permanent, you know, a permanent guideline, we, we will need, we'll have until 2024 to actually pass any zoning that may be required to meet the guidelines, okay? Um, so we have, we, we're lucky in some respects that even before the guidelines came out, we were uh, conceiving a zoning project for the downtown. Um, we were dealing with um, inclusionary zoning issues and you know, possibly changing density in other, in other zones, which come hand, they're really hand in hand with what, we, uh, what the MBTA guidelines are. Um, so the multifamily zoning requirements of being addressed are part of, they're being part of the Franklin for All project. Our consultants will be uh, developing recommendations on ways to possibly uh, meet the MBTA community requirements based on the draft guidelines as of right now. Um, so uh, the specific recommendations for potential zoning changes, including how best to address the new requirements, will be developed over the summer and fall. Um, and uh, we don't expect um, that very quickly we're going to have an answer to what's best for the community or for, you know, to meet the MBTA guidelines. We're gonna take our time and do what we were going to anyway. Um, and, but just so I know that the town shouldn't have a difficult time addressing the MBTA community requirements based on all the discussions we have up to this point about possible zoning changes anyway. Um, right now, our, our commercial one and our general residential five districts already uh, allow uh, 43 units per, up to that much per acre, but it's a special permit, okay? So if we do something simple like go, okay, you can have 15 by right if you want more, it's a special permit. I mean, things like that, that'll end up addressing a lot of the problems that we're, you know, we're dealing with now and also the MBTA requirements. But and that's not to say that what the town's gonna do because it's not my <laughs> it's not my job. I I am uh, the uh, 
Melanie and the uh, and the uh, the subcommittee, steer, the steering steer, committee, steer, is doing a great job, and they will continue to steer, and um, and we'll end up with some great recommendations, I'm sure. So I think it's time. Kind of if you have any questions, um, be happy to. Jamie, anything to add? Through Mr. Chairman, the only thing I'd add is I just want everybody who's watching at home and listening at home and taking the survey and participated so far uh, to continue to participate and just let everybody know zoning changes are a, as all of you know, are uh, an extensively long process to change. There is, there's no rush. You can't rush zoning bylaw changes. Um, and so I just want folks that are out there to uh, stay in tune, sign up for our email notification list, and just realize this is a marathon, not a sprint. And, um, and there'll be plenty of opportunity for feedback, changes, ideas, questions uh, over the months ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, questions from Councilors, Councilor DeLocco. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just kind of curious, we're gonna have to do this at Forge Park too. All right, so, one of the um, the things we found out at a, one of our the workshops we've attended is that we do have two stations. If we would like to, we can uh, put some of the units at one station and some of the other. But we don't have to. We don't have to double up. Uh, no, that's what I was just kind of yeah. curious. That we have to right. So it's simply eight, the 1,800 whatever units is all we need. And uh, see, we don't have any we do have one uh, 40B multifamily down the street, okay. um, but we the rest of it is either industrial land, commercial, or a single family yeah. developed uh, uh, you know, neighborhood. Okay, so, just, just curious. so we could do something there if we really wanted to, but I, I, my thought is that because uh, there's a good chance we're gonna meet the needs of the MBTA guidelines just in the downtown or in the surrounding areas that we'd probably focus on that. That's to be determined. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Ryan, zoning just makes my eyes glaze over. <laughs> so, I, I apologize to the residents because I am so weak at this zoning stuff. But just bear with me for one second. Just tell me maybe if I have this right. With this presentation, we can apply for grants, we're compliant, and we shouldn't have any difficulty addressing and meeting the requirements. In the long run, I believe that's so true. It's good, it's all. Mm -hmm. that okay. It is something we have to do today, and that's the reason we're here. Otherwise, uh, everything's gonna happen over the course of the next couple of years in reality. It's not, it's not gonna be rushing into anything. We're, gonna, we're doing what we have to, in the meantime, uh, we have to continue with the projects that we're working on. So. Thank you for being knowledgeable on this, and thank you for the steering Thank you, Mr. Chandler. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. That was a great summary of, <laughs> of what we're doing tonight. <laughs> Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ooh, sorry, everybody. Through the chair. Thank you, Brian and Amy, for being here tonight. Um, I think it's it's great. I know it seems kind of silly to to show us draft uh, the draft proposals and um, the check of box, but I think the more people know and understand what's happening, it's the better, right? So, um, so that's why it's important, I think, for people to be able to start to think about it when they um, hear 
MBTA community, then they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember, like we have to think about maybe zoning, the potential zoning for more units. And it's the zoning, not the building. So this is just about um, allowing things to be built. That doesn't mean it's gonna be built. Um, I do have a question. I know that um, I saw a proposal about this um, and it was that we could separate since we have two stations and um, I was wondering if in more recent drafts if they had a definition of units like is it one bedroom two bedroom three bedroom it a, doesn't a housing unit is a housing unit regardless of size okay all right um, so that was one of the questions I had heard after one of the Franklin for all forms um, and um, I think um, Councilor Tulloch already asked that question and uh, Councilor Chandler already made that statement, so that's what I was going to say. So thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Any other councilors? Councilor Frangillo? Anything to add? I would just remind everyone that this is this is good. Uh, this is encouraging us in the right direction. Uh, Rezoning our downtown leads to a you know, more equitable, uh, safer, healthier, uh, affordable, accessible community. And we're looking forward to this process. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Is there anyone in? Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, just for the record and to set the edge on this issue, uh, on the Forge Park concept, I just want to make sure um, there are potentially a little bit, there's a little bit of opportunity there. I just want to remind everybody that the landowners that are around that area include the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Mascot, the MBTA, the Bernard Family Trust, which owns a very large piece of land, multiple pieces of land over there. And then a little kind of couple small neighborhoods in the back. Um, I think in the long view, we've talked about this as a staff that, that Forge Park, because of the location right off the interstate mm -hmm. and right off 140, it's a very, very unique area over there. And there has been at least conversations that I've talked about publicly. I've, I've reached out to the, the Burnham Family Trust and other entities to talk about that. Um, I just think from the state's perspective that eventually if they see too much going to Forge Park, there's gonna be a back and forth about what's really feasible because there's so much state-owned land over there, and obviously Dairy Farmers of America and some other pretty big uh, non-buildable parcels. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone in council chambers that has a question or a comment? Is there anybody out in Zoom land? Okay, seeing none, uh, all right, thank you, Amy, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. Check the box. There you go. Thank you for <laughs> the bringing box. us into <laughs> compliance. That's right. Not the end of us. No. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll <laughs> look forward to it. Um, moving on, legislation for action. 
Resolution 22-26, acceptance of the easement of property at 732 Washington Street. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 22-26, acceptance of easements of property at 732 Washington Street. There's Matthew J. Gordon and Angela Rufino Gordon are the owners of certain parcel of land located at 732 Washington Street in Franklin, described in a deed dated December 29, 1995, and recorded at Norfolk Registry of Deeds in Book 11172 and page 495. <clears throat> and whereas Matthew J. Gordon and Angela Rufino Gordon, having agreed to grant to the town of Franklin a permanent easement over, under, and through that portion of Grant's land shown as eight feet long by six feet wide, single easement number two area, which is, e which is equal to approximately 48 square feet plus or minus on a sketch plan of land captioned plan of easements for AM 322 lot 35, Washington Street and Grove Street intersection improvements, Franklin Mass, set easement area containing 48 square feet, more or less according to said plan, executed a grant of easement to the town of Franklin together with a copy of said sketch. Plan attached as Exhibit A for nominal consideration on March 23rd, 2022. A true copy of said grant easement is being attached here to as Exhibit 1. Now therefore be it ordered that the town of Franklin acting by and through its town council accept the grant of easement a true copy which is attached here to as Exhibit 1. And it is further ordered that a true copy of this resolution together with its, with its original grant of easement and attachment sketch plan Exhibit A be recorded at the Norfolk County Registry of Deeds, and this resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Charter. Move Resolution 22-26. Second. Motion is second. Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, to the, to the Council. Uh, this is the required easement we need, um, the town needs, and the family has been uh, great to work with, um, that we need to begin construction on the intersection at Grove in Washington. And uh, our town engineer's here tonight in case anybody has any questions about the easement or uh, the timeline of the project. Thank you. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Chandler. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to thank the uh, Gordons myself again because uh, that is really nice to have a light put right in your front yard. I know it's an easement and everything, but that is, I, I know I asked um, Mr. Maglio and they were very, very cordial and polite. And they also did a lot of work, like Doc, like Councilor DeLuca uh, with football. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff. A lot took over for me, actually. Yeah, a lot of So just wanted to give them a shout out for that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Any other councilors? Okay, seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-26 of majority votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Cormier Ledger. Yes. <coughs> Sheridan. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Manzers. Motion carries, and again, thank you to the Gordon family. Okay, next, town administrator's report. Jamie. Hey, Mr. Chairman, the Common Grounds Cafe is open. People uh, should go down and get some fluffy, delicious pancakes, omelets, uh, all sorts of other stuff. Great new chef. 
I was down there with Felicia and Lily on Monday, um, and the room was at least half to three quarters full. A bunch of folks who all of you know waiting in line, which was exciting to see, and uh, we're just really, really thrilled to have the cafe. It's been uh, up and going again. It's been a long, long time, and uh, just in time for spring. Speaking of the Senior Center, while you're down there getting your omelet, pancakes, and breakfast, uh, stop by and check out some of the uh, strategic planning seminars they're holding uh, in April. Uh, as I announced several months ago, um, the, uh, the new director and the new staff are going to be doing an engagement effort with the Council on Aging. For the first time ever, uh, they're attempting to try to put together a, a longer, short and long-term strategic plan. Uh, while Alicia and I were down there for a few months, we heard a lot of incredible comments on the wish list from many seniors about what they'd like to see at the center. Uh, and so we're opening up a formal public process. Uh, and then finally, uh, I was mentioned at the last meeting, but I'll make a plug uh, right now. May 14th from, I believe, 9 to 1 on a Saturday, uh, the Metro West Arts and Culture Symposium, uh, where the uh, head of the Mass Cultural Council uh, will be there, Michael Bobbitt, uh, who's brand new over the last year. Should be an exciting day, and you can uh, hop online and uh, reserve your ticket uh, right now on Eventbrite. Thanks. Thank you, Jamie. Any questions on town administrator's report? Okay, moving on, subcommittee reports. Uh, I believe the only one that's met is the EBC, Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yes, the Economic Development Subcommittee met uh, before this meeting tonight. We discussed um, the West Street, East Street neighborhood follow-up. Um, we discussed the town bylaw parking fines um, that haven't been looked at for 20 years. So they will come to the full council for uh, discussion and approval. We also discussed uh, changes along the downtown district parking. Um, and th that proposal will be coming to the full council as well. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Any questions for Councilor Hamlin? Okay, moving on. Future agenda items. Councilor Comey Ledger. None at this time. Councilor Chandler. Nothing at this time. Councilor Plagri. The only questions I have with about the date is this. Well, is that something we could put on for an agenda item? I know it's their responsibility, but. <coughs> sure. Yeah. Yes, let's put that on so we can discuss it. It was supposed to have been turned over yeah. in January, yeah. I believe, that yeah. that's what they had said to us. And that Initially, was, uh, it was before the end of the year. Right, yes. And the last year. Yeah. Kind of yeah. That was in January, yeah. so that would be good. Sure. That's all I have. We can do that. Thank you. Okay. Councilor Sheridan. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure, we can, we can look at Jenny. Excuse me. The presentation? Yes. Uh, the sit up in the citizens' mm -hmm. comments earlier this evening. Sure. Uh, Councilor Sheridan would like to respond. Response to this. Sure. Okay. Anything else? Councilor Frangillo, new business, future agenda items. Thank you. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, if I would like to see more about massenergize.org, um, you know, if that can help people in the community learn how to do be better, then that's what we need. 
Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Jones. Uh, just to echo Councilor Polygamy's comments about the damage there, I'd too like to see that future. Thank you. Councilor DeLocco. Okay. Councilor Comments. Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Frangillo. Nothing at this time. Councilor Hamlin. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just wanted, I hope everybody's out there enjoying spring and uh, they're getting outside. Maybe um, take a walk and go on the bike path or something. It's just, it's just nice to have good weather. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And hopefully you didn't jinx us. <laughs> you, know, I, you know I just did jinx us. Well, I think Council Pellegrini and I brought it back. Council call me a legend. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I wanted to say thank you to the Gordon family. That nominal $1 fee for the easement is extremely generous <laughs> to let us use that land, especially given current market conditions. Yes. Um, and I, I, I also wanted to just take a minute and thank the Franklin Special Education Department within our schools um, <clears throat> to reflect for uh, just a second. It was one of the reasons why my family moved here was to get better education for both of our boys and both of our kids have individual education plans and today we had our meeting on my oldest son at the middle school uh, so just a shout out to that extraordinary team and we got the great news that he no longer needs an IEP that he has met all of his goals because of the extraordinary work of the special ed department and the teachers at the school and the administration and maybe a little bit because of his family. But I, you know, maybe. But, but I just wanted, I, I just can't say enough about how much those folks do. They go above and beyond with the resources they have to make sure that the kids have what they need and he is a little boy that is now thriving because of the great work that they're doing. So thank you um, from the bottom of my heart for that. Thank you, Councilor Cornelia. Councilor Chairman. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I attended the Economic Development Committee tonight, and um, I was moved by a lot of the residents and some of the things that were said. So I came up with a thought on that that I'm going to give to Jamie in a minute. But if you want to listen to it, it wasn't televised by uh, Franklin TV, but Franklin Matters will have it. There was a lot of interesting stuff said. Um, my thought is, I saw the school was saving $100,000 from the health insurance and they're gonna hire an assistant principal. I didn't know with the town's portion of that, could we bring back that civilian parking clerk? Because, I mean, it seems like the business people are upset, the residents are upset, the college is upset. I just, I mean, if we have a little extra money that we weren't expecting, it's just, I would like you to think about that when you're going over the budget. Because there were a lot of upset people all around. And, um, and to have a dedicated person like that, that might be able to show a little more compassion to the lady with the, you know, the three car seats that, you know, just couldn't get back to her car or, you know, just little stuff like that. Like that person would be, it would be a good front person for us to, you know, take care of some of the anger and problems. So that's just my thought, if you could look into that. Thank you, Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Councilor Plagley. Uh, 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I was also at the ADC meeting, and people had a lot of good things to say. After the meeting ended, um, Mrs. Lodzi came up to me, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but um, she said that with all the cars that are being parked in front of her house and all of that, she said this, um, the sweeper went by, and her street wasn't, be, wasn't able to be swept because of all those cars there. So what she did was, after they left the next morning before they got there, or whatever the story was, um, she went out there and she swept herself the street. I says, well, that was very nice of you. Now I think we should get a bill together and send it to, to Dean College and let them take care of it. I'm serious, you know, because, because of their students parking there, it wasn't able to be cleaned the street. It's not fair to our residents, all right? so. Jamie, that's something that you could talk with her about, and perhaps we can get a little bill together to make our point, stress our point about them talking, you know, right there on that street. So, um, and since I wasn't around, I don't have very much to say about comments other than that, and that just happened tonight. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Blake. Councilor Joe. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, just to echo Councilor Hillman's comments in regards to a very beautiful day, I just wanted to make a comment in regard to um, today my local had their Women in Industries event, which brought out hundreds of young ladies from around the Massachusetts Commonwealth area from various schools to visit our school, our local, and have some really thorough discussions about uh, both the impact that women are having on industry, as well as ways to um, uh, kind of educate the young ladies of the Commonwealth in regards to the possibilities of the industry for them to, to join up. It's, I mean, I've always said anybody could be an electrician, it's no discrimination at all. But it was a great event, it was a great turnout. It's a win. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor DeLock. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I have to um, echo Councilor Comey Alleges' uh, comment because uh, all three of my kids had IEPs and they all went to college and they're all doing great. So they do do a great job. Uh, <clears throat> Jamie, I got a couple calls on um, the King Street um, crosswalk. You put a, a sign up there, but they're still having, people aren't still stopping up there. So a couple people came up to me and they, they like the way they, 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 the way it's done down Delcott. We could look at that to see if it is because they've had a couple people, uh, one person on Emily Drive had to grab their kit because the sign's a little too far away from the crosswalk and I think they're just going by it. So mm -hmm. if you can, uh, Take a look at that. Or maybe you have to put another sign on the other side too, or something. Something to do for them. So, because there is a lot of kids across there, especially now. So, and that's it. Thank you, Councilor Delarco. Okay, we have uh, new this evening. So, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Non-debatable. Non-debatable, but roll call vote. Sorry, guys, not that uh, quick. Cormier Ledger? Yes. Chairman? Yes. Chairman? Yes. Angelo? Yes. Gregory? Yes. 
Yes. Hamlet. Yes. Jones, yes, Vice Chair. Yes. Chair, 9 0 to adjourn. Thank you, one and all. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.